I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Danny Kelly. Welcome to this week's edition of the Trans Europe Express podcast. Myself and Andy Brassel at the controls this evening. Of course, it's that time of year, so you'll be hearing about climactic ends to the league title races in Holland, particularly, and France. Amazing story coming out there. We'll be reviewing all those amazing games as well in the Champions League and the Europa League during the last seven days. And we'll be telling you about the warning from the Russian government that England fans and England players must be very careful of the ladies. Hope you enjoy it. This is the Trans Europe Express podcast. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express on Talk Sport. much to Andy and the boys for the final word there and good luck to Andy at the London Marathon uh, next Sunday and welcome now to two hours of Trans Europe Express I'm Danny Kelly alongside me uh, of course one of our regular uh, co-hosts and uh, another person with a brain uh, with enough football in it to sink the average aircraft carrier that's Andy Brassell uh, we're going to review all the weekend's action um, we've got a European cult hero for you, some musical homework. Simon Calder will continue um, his uh, review of the World Cup venues and hotels and stadiums. I think one of the most interesting venues uh, for the upcoming World Cup games. We'll have goals that go in for tonight's big games. PSG versus Monaco could be the title decider in France. Lazio against Roma, the Rome derby, European Champions League places at stake there. And Malaga against Real Madrid. Um, we'll have the new feature, the Trans-Europe Express Q&A. Anything you want to ask about world football, from the lower leagues of uh, Botswana uh, to the upcoming World Cup, Andy Brassell will answer your questions. Um, you can phone us on 08717-22344, text 81089, uh, tweet, uh, tweet me at Danny Kelly Words with your questions. We'll get you on after 9 o'clock. We've got a poll for you as well. All of that's coming here on... Good evening, Andy. Welcome to Trans Europe Express, as always. Good evening. Thanks for having me, as always. Uh, and uh, indeed, uh, uh, I'm glad it was you booked in because by the behaviour of Mark Langdon on our Friday night when we had <laughs> the, the inaugural and the first annual um, Trans Europe Express curry and beer, um, I mean, I thought you behaved really very exquisitely and a very nice man to be around Langdon. I mean, just a shambles. Um, so uh, uh, he's probably, probably not listening now because he's probably not recovered 
uh, from the way he was behaving. Well, you know, I drove another 25% of the talent home just to secure the future of this show. And that's the kind of guy you are? That's how you roll? Um, who was that? Daly? Yeah. Okay. Well, we had a nice time. It was good. Let's, uh, let's get into the football this weekend, though. Um, as you say, we, when we were preparing for the show, um, so, several games are playing now and several games that uh, have already been played this weekend have actually decided titles. A bit like here in England, um, where Manchester City, congratulations to them, of course, the best football team by... Um, I've had a measuring tape. I, I, it wouldn't be long enough how many miles they've been the best team. And that's why our musical homework tonight... Um, is songs with either Sky or Blue in the title. We're, al- we're not allowing Mr. Blue Sky by the ELO, which has got both of him. Songs with Sky or Blue in the title, please, for your musical homework. Text us at 81089 and send your request directly to me at Danny Kelly Words. Let's start, though, um, in Italy. And um, I've, put, I've called this third section Costa Living, and we'll get on to that. But maybe not decided the title, but a, a, a huge step towards winning it by Juventus, or should I say, a backward step taken by Napoli. Uh, yes, it was. And if there's going to be one man, perhaps, who won Juventus this title, maybe we'll say it's Gigi Donnarumma of, of Milan, uh, who we're not expecting to continue in Serie A beyond the end of this season. Pepe Reina, of course, who's playing on the other side, is very likely to be his replacement at San Siro next season, despite trying to win the title with Napoli at the moment. And in the final minute, as... Napoli were throwing everything. So let me get this right. Pepe is going to AC Milan. Looks like. And Don Room is going to possibly Paris, but we'll have to wait wow. and see. The fact is, he will be leaving because he's a saleable asset. They need to make some money. Not, he's fallen out with the fans. Not to Juventus to replace the previous legendary Italian goalkeeper. They've got a legendary goalkeeper waiting to replace Ch- a Buffon Ch- already. Chesonnet. Oh, yeah. Chesonnet. Yeah. I know what you're going to say. Statistically, you didn't have a touch in the Champions League game. No, no. But I said, when that, all, that horrible moment when it all went wrong for Juventus, as I tweeted out, at least there was one piece of comfort for us all. We could see Chesney conceding a goal. <laughs> because when, 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 when we've proven beyond doubt that Neymar is a git, I'll be starting on, on Chesney. Um, you, but, say, you say that, but, it, you know, goalkeepers transform when they reach the promised land of Serie A. You know, it's some sort of strange alchemy. You know, he's barely good enough to be second choice for Arsenal when he was here. Now he's he become, become one of the best goalkeepers in Serie A well, let's, since let's, his time in Roma. I think we all explain why we're doing this uh, circular uh, discussion about goalkeepers because a wonder save from Donnarumma very late on from uh, Milic yeah. um, kept the score nil-nil. Um, it, hasn't, it hasn't won the title for Juventus, but it's effectively it's made it much more likely than it was. That's right. It's a six-point gap at the top. Juventus subsequently beat Sampdoria 3-0 at Canter, as we were expecting. It was one of the most difficult matches left on Napoli's slate this, this trip to, to Milan. And they started quite slowly, um, but that they were more and more forceful as the game went on. They really had their chances. And it's strange, a team that's so offensive has missed so many good chances in recent games where they've, they've dropped a few more points than, than was acceptable. And the, the difference I'm seeing, uh, 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 don't, don't worry, I've had this, hand, this handed to me, um, quite apart from the fact they ended that game with neither Hamšík nor Milic on the pitch, but last season their front three got over 60 league goals. Mm. They're, more like, they're nearer to 30 this year. So although they're very, very close to the title, the, the, the actual cutting edge, I mean, you know, Dries Mertens got infinite goals last year, yeah. didn't he, and things like that, but injury this year, of course. Um, so maybe they're, they're going to fall just short, which is a shame yeah. because I think a lot of people 
would have liked to have seen a, a, cha- a, a season of change, at least in this league. Yeah, they, they, they would have done. And I think you've got a really interesting point there, Dan, because when you say that, as, as you were saying, they, they, they dragged Hamzik and, and Mertens, mm. the fact that Milik didn't come on to supplement Mertens but came on instead of him, yeah. I, I think is, is, is quite interesting. And Milik scored a vital goal, of course, when they beat Kiev right at the, uh, the end last week and almost managed it this time. I mean, Lorenzo Insigne was in the middle saying, why didn't you pass to me? I had an open goal, but any striker worth his salt was going to shoot from there. It wasn't Milik's fault. It was an absolutely astonishing save. You've got to seek it out yep. on the internet somewhere if you haven't seen it. But you do wonder with this Napoli team, you look at the ages of some of them and think, is there going to be a bit of a change? You still think of Insigne as a young player. He's 26 years old. You've got Dries Mertens, who's 30. Kaya Hon, who's 31. Hamzik, who's who's 30 and has played an awful amount of games. They started today with These are children Christian in Ma- Italy. That's children's <laughs> ages for footballers, isn't it? Yeah, if we're talking like Milan 10 years ago, maybe. <laughs> but of course, you had you've got um uh christian maggio started at right back today and he was he was 36 and i mean you know he's still done an incredible job considering but i think there is a sense that whether sally goes or stays and a lot of the talk this week which is quite destabilizing i think before a big game was of will sally stay or will he go there's been rumors of course that he's had this offer from monaco whether that's to up the ante as he negotiates for a new contract i think he's open to questions Chelsea have also started to be I mean, obviously, everybody who's any good is, is mentioned with mm. relation. Sarri's also been mentioned as a possible Chelsea manager. He has. I mean, to me, that seems quite unlikely. You're looking at a man in his, his late 50s who doesn't show a lot of signs of being, A, especially modern, or B, really culturally adaptable. These are sort of all criteria that you could apply to Georges Jesus, I suppose, over, over in Portugal. Someone who's worked in his home country very laudably for his, his whole life. But, you know, he came from Empoli and this is the biggest club he's managed. Not just the biggest club he's managed, but the biggest club he's managed by a mile, Sarri. So I think that's a, a big leap of faith to imagine him coming and working for a big club in the Premier League and managing to fully impose his style and, and his ideas. But I think there is the sense that there will be a bit of squad turnover this summer. You look at Diawara came on at 20 and scored the winning goal last week. The fact that Zielinski came on for Hamzik in this game, you do sense that they're going to try over the next little while to try and bring the average age of the, the squad down. And that's why it's felt like this is their one this is chance. The time, yeah. This is, the this is their one, yeah. one season to, to do it. So it's a, it's a shame for the neutral. And inevitably, um, when you slip up in it, in Italy, Juventus took full advantage. A 3-0 yes. win against Sampdoria. But the headline, Costa living, is because uh, Douglas Costa, um, fantastic footballer on, on his day, created all three and is in great form for Juventus. Yeah, he's been wonderful in, in, in recent weeks. And I, th- I think he was one of their best players, if not their best player, when they, they won at Real Madrid in the week. Of course, it didn't feel like a win at, at the end of it. And um, there's more to say about that later, I, I suspect. Oh, yeah, there is. Trust me. <laughs> but it was funny, isn't it, isn't it, Danny, how he was drummed out of uh, Bayern as... And sold as a bad influence by the club. Karl Heinz Rummenigge was saying he was a guy who got obsessed with the trappings of fame and wasn't prepared to put the work in. From the outside, it seemed that, like Kingsley Coma, for example, he started very well at Bayern and then didn't get the work put in from Carlo Ancelotti. I'm not saying he's without blame, of course, and we're not privy to exactly no, no. what happens inside the dressing room. But on the other hand, it seemed that he was just one of a, a, a group of young players who who lost his way. And he seems to be picking it up again at Juventus, which is great. Yeah, no, it's one of the reasons why I think, uh, I, I've got to be very careful what I say here, why I think Carlo and Charlotte eventually went um, from Bayern Munich. It didn't look like um, that the maximum intensity was being put into 
that job. And I think football you managers these days, they really, it, it, you, you just have to give everything because the, the margins at the, the very top level are so tiny. And we'll talk about tiny margins but once again at 9 o'clock when we review the, both the Champions League um, and the Europa League, which this, this week has proven once again that the format of European fo- football teams playing each other, the home and away, the, the, even the away goals, it, it, it was startling. It was a startling uh, midweek. The Rome derby is this evening. Um, and it, 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 often, uh, it, in recent years, it's been a kind of um, consolation prize for Lazio if they can beat their, lo- their, their local rivals. But not this year. It's, it's, all, it's all important. No, it's absolutely imperative, Danny. You're right. But it's imperative for both teams um, because we could be so carried away with what Roma did this week uh, that we could forget that you know this is a season, of course, in which four teams from Italy qualify. The top four qualify automatically for the Champions League. One big one is going to miss out. Juventus and Napoli are there. The two remaining places, especially with Milan not winning today, are going to come down to Inter, Roma and Lazio. Now, Inter of struggled back into their shell over the last couple of games. So they're third, still remarkably third. But if Roma or Lazio, well, if, if they get a point, they both go above them yep. tonight. So Inter That's could very, end, very Italian thought. And this fourth, <laughs> that, that's what the section's about. <laughs> yeah. But these two teams aren't like that. Lazio are no. incredibly attacking. Lazio, it's, it's only after Juventus scored their goals today that Lazio are no longer the top scorers in the division. Lazio scored 75 goals in 31 games going into this, which oh, is extraordinary. Over your shoulder, Real Madrid have taken the lead at Malaga. Uh, free kick from the edge of the box by Isco. Their former player. Yeah, and a very nice goal too, absolutely. Um, 1-0 uh, to Real Madrid. Have yeah, he's, a, doing the, he's doing the little praying hands, actually, to the to the fans at La Rosaleda. Don't worry, you won't be blamed for relegating them. Well, maybe actually apocryphally, like, a bit like Dennis Law, really. Yes. It's one of those things that passes into legend. And then Isco did relegate his former club. Nothing to do with the fact that they lost pretty much every other every game other in the season. Every other match they played, yeah. <laughs> I've got some team news for you, actually, from Rome. And very interesting um, that just as they did um, in the Champions League during the week, Rome are starting with two up front instead of the usual three. Mm. Um, it's uh, Jaco being supported by uh, Schick, Patrick Schick, of course. And that's exactly what happened, didn't it? Uh, against, um, against Barcelona. And it gave a bit of a more free reign to Rajana Ingolan as well, just uh, tucking in behind them and, and doing whatever he wanted. I thought Schick was really, really good in this game uh, against Barcelona. I mean, he's someone who... They kind of bought as an opportunity signing. Of course, he was meant to go to Juventus, failed the medical there after a health problem. They fully checked him out, Roma, afterwards, but they spent a lot of money on him, or they will be spending a lot of money on him when they pick up the obligatory buyout clause, very much like Kylian Mbappe to Paris Saint-Germain, for example. Um, but when they bought Schick, it was ostensibly perhaps as a Mohamed Salah replacement, even though he's nothing like him no. as a player. Um, you know, it was just a, a, a name signing. And Monchi, who's very much a planner, the new sporting director, he said, well, look, I don't know where we're going to fit him in the team, but when a player this good is available, let's just get him and then yeah, worry, worry about, about that later, sort of yeah. stuff later. But in fact, it's been Cengiz Under, the young Turkish player, who's made the biggest dent for Roma this season. He's been absolutely fantastic. And of course, he came on to make a big contribution against Barcelona. But Schick's been finding some sort of form in recent weeks, Start, and it's really good to starts see. Starts up front with Dzeko uh, tonight. Um, the last thing I should mention about Italy, I think, Andy, is that Fiorentina's winning streak uh, since the death of their captain, Davide Astore, has come to an end. A nil-nil draw um, at Spal, a VAR incident there. And of course, um, we, could all, we couldn't make it up in English football. The week they announced that the uh, VAR is being kicked into the long grass for at least a year. 
We see Ben Davis's tackle. We see uh, Marco Alonso's tackle. We see the um, a, ta- a tackle two yards outside the penalty area being given as a penalty, and so on. Who's your star of the week in in Italy? My my star of the week. Um, it's going to be Gigi Donnarumma. A bit because one it's, save, it's yeah. not just a, a great save. It's not just a clean sheet. It's not just that he's had to put up with so much this season from uh, media and fans. But like I said, a decisive moment in the title race. You'll believe a very large man can fly. This is Trans Europe Express on TalkSport. I'm Danny Kelly. He's Andy Brussels. A Sunday evening. We know you could be doing better things. So we're delighted that you're with us for the next two hours. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show. Three to get ready now. Go, cat, go, but don't you step on my blue suede shoe. Well, you can do anything but take over my blue suede shoe. Well, you can knock me down, step in my face Slander my name all over the place Well, do anything that you want to do But not, uh, honey, lay off them shoes and don't you Yeah, celebrating Manchester City being the new champions of England Songs with either blue or sky Sky or blue in the title Of course, straight away, we've gone for the, the, the beautiful tapping of Elvis Presley and blue suede shoes You can get your requests in at 8, 10, 89 and tweet me directly at Danny Kelly Words. Later this hour, in one of our headlines, you're going to hear an absolutely brilliant Elvis pun as well. This is how this show rolls. I think we know where the title is going in Paris. 16 minutes gone in the game, the big one, the decider really, between Paris Saint-Germain and Monaco. And Paris has scored twice in the, in the last three minutes. Giovanni Lo Celso after 14 minutes. And Edison Cavani, who ruined the producer's Acker last weekend and has therefore been banished to the outer darkness. I'm told he's the worst player in the world, has just got uh, a second goal for Paris. Lo Celso's an interesting player. Um, coming through there more recently, he was, I think he was in the Argentinian side that got murdered by Spain recently. Yeah, he's... Um... <laughs> He's, he's an interesting one because he's, he's an attacking player, really. Another of those number 10s. Thank God Argentina haven't got any of those. Yeah, well, <laughs> did, you know what? Uh, Paris Saint-Germain took a look at him and when Thiago Motta got crocked earlier in the season, they, they, they said, well, you know, you're little. You've got a good left foot. You've really, really good balance on the ball. We're going to make you a defensive midfielder. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's what's happened. It didn't work out in the away leg against Real Madrid, although, of course, I think it's fair to say Paris Saint-Germain had a lot of other problems uh, as, as well as that. But it's been a productive season for him. He's played more than a lot of people thought he would. And I think he's sort of expanded his game, really. I mean, I tend to think that if you fall short sporting-wise, it's just one of those things. Of course, Paris won't see it like that. But for pretty much any club... If you're progressing the young players at the same time, I don't think it's such an issue. I think that's one of the most disappointing things about Real Madrid's domestic season. The fact that none of those young players are further forward. You know, you look at Marcos Llorente, Dani Ceballos, who they bought from Betis, who's one of the best midfielders in the division last season. If they'd have been a bit further forward and they finished 10 points behind Barcelona, well, it's just one of those things. But... You know, Lo Celso is someone who's really grabbed that, the ball that, by the, the horns. Asensio, etc. The, the 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 players that are coming through from Madrid, they are a bit further forward, aren't they? They're not further forward than they were last season. You think I don't. Not? I don't think so. Lucas Vasquez, etc. Don't think so. No, I, I think they're, they're they're players who were great last season, and they've been great in the last third of this season. Pretty much like last season, so it's it's a shame, really. I think Zidane is someone who's. I mean, I guess this is something to talk about further on. Is someone who's got 
real faith in youth, and he hasn't seemed to back that up this season, which is disappointing. But Lacelso unbelievable technique. There's no doubt about it. And it really is party time in Paris now because it's 3-0. Wow. And they are absolutely tearing them to bits. You talk about um, uh, the Acker being ruined by Cavani. Well, he really rubbed it in with that second goal. I mean, Lo Celso's goal was very nice indeed. Cavani's even better. Across from Yuri Berechice and headed in brilliantly, really, by Edinson Cavani. Angel Di Maria has scored the third. Thank you very much indeed. That's uh, Di Maria. Uh, 20 minutes gone there and Paris Saint-Germain are about to be... Uh, well, of course, you need to bear in mind, this is not them retaining their title. It's getting it back from self-same Monaco side, who they're absolutely filleting as we speak. Uh, of course, the important game uh, in many ways, because we know that PSG are probably going to be the title anyway, is that game in Rome. The Rome derby between Lazio uh, and Roma. Um, with 37 minutes of that one, it's still nil-nil. And, of course, uh, if it ends that way, one of them, both of them, depends on the goal difference. Both of them. Both of them will go above Inter Milan. Interesting, isn't it? Um, let's talk about uh, France. The headline, Why Always Moi? We'll, we'll tell you which football we're going to talk about a little later. Um, <laughs> Paris Saint-Germain are going to win the title tonight. They're 3-0 up already. Um, but there is a cloud now, and I don't know whether it's real or not. It's so hard to tell. Um, this the financial fair players, but come to not the the big bad wolf of financial fair players once again outside their door. Yeah, and it's a problem because there was always this talk about they they would have to do a big sale in January. Well, it didn't happen, did it? You know, Lucas Moura went for less money than he's actually worth. Yeah. Um, and, and then the other big ones who we we talked about possibly moving, Angel Di Maria was obviously one. The landing spots for, for him really disappeared, so that that became a problem for them. And you know what? They could actually be in a bigger hole because when we're talking about Paris Saint Germain and Monaco, as we are tonight, they were quite close to signing Fabinho before Monaco decided. They didn't want to let him go. For, and they would have ended up paying 50, 60 million for him. So it, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, things are going to have to be jigged about this summer. Of course, they're going to end up paying the full fee for Kylian Mbappe, who's technically been on loan this season, this summer. So they're going to have to move does some that, players on. And they're going to have to be creative. Does that have to happen? Because that's the way they could uh, wriggle out this, by not going through with that and, and, or, or selling him on no, to somebody else. Well, they could sell him on yes. if they wanted, but the, but the deal's already been completed. Yes. Uh, no, sorry, I, I, I confused myself there. I meant is he is he a way out for them out of this? You know, um, or, or is he the future of the club? Cause- yeah, I think he really is because I think the fact that he's clearly someone who's a, a, a Ballon d'Or candidate, and it doesn't matter to me, and I don't think it should matter to anyone. Individual prizes in a collective sport, but in terms of their profile, hello, Harry. This is- this is <laughs> this is something absolutely huge, and I think the fact that he's from Paris. I mean, it's Unai Emery who's always seemed to be like a bit of a eunuch in the background there, hasn't he? Really, the fact that he was the first one to say publicly, "I think it would be amazing if Mbappe came here, if he came to Paris, came back home and claimed what was his," and you think. Okay, you know, right? Yeah. I, I didn't realise yeah. you had those kind of teeth. Yeah. Well, actually, I just thought he was, he was trying to get in with the Paris people, but um, the, possibly <laughs> not. Not help then if they're going to have to hang on to all these players and they've got to do something about the, the ludicrous situation that Malcolm, much, um, much, much uh, coveted by Premier League clubs, has this week come out and said, "Oh, I'd love to go to Paris Saint Germain." <laughs> they all say that, don't they? I guess that makes him the uh, Roberto Mancini of the playing world. Yeah, um, he's, he's, he's connecting himself with a lot of clubs. Alan Kirby off his own bat, isn't he? Um, can we talk about Monaco? They're clearly going to lose tonight, um, but they—they they they look like they're going to finish second. 
Um, what do you make of their defence of, the, of their title? Given that they had, they really their team was gutted at the end of the season. It's not been that bad at all. And I, I think they've nothing done all right, haven't they? If you look at the numbers, it's not bad. They've they've scored a lot of goals as well, um, and. <laughs> Leonardo Jardim is a great, not just builder, but regenerator of teams. I mean, you know, when people talk about various names for the Arsenal job, mainly who are completely unsuitable, I mean, Leonardo Jardim, he would do an absolutely fantastic job there with the right football management there structure. There is no vacancy at, at Arsenal, sir. Oh, yeah, they my apologies. A, they have a successful and venerable manager who signed a number of contracts in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that is that, that is true, but but you know what, Leonardo Jardim is is one of the best coaches out there. There's no doubt about that, and I think he started to get a tune out of the new players that they brought in over the last couple of months as well. But interestingly, this defeat leaves them a little bit vulnerable because if you look at the teams behind them now, Lyon and Marseille both won this weekend. They're in a real battle for third, and we've assumed that the top two are just sewn up. Well, you know what, Lyon are only four points behind Monaco mm-hmm. with five games to go so and and Marseille are on the same points actually so we've been talking about Lyon and Marseille going for that third place what about if they both pipped Monaco the interesting thing as well is Monaco have already lost three in goal difference tonight so having started the weekend with a goal difference of plus 43 they've now only got not just four points more but four goals more than Lyon in the goal difference and speaking of Lyon and speaking of as you did of Monaco having good numbers um, the, the numbers from Memphis to pie continue to pile up. A 3-0 victory over Amiens this weekend. That uh, means in the last... And he got one goal Memphis to pie and another assist. So the last five games, five goals, five assists. And so they are the momentum team. And you're absolutely right to say Monaco may not you, you know, finish second at all because Leon are on, the, on their tail. Yeah, they really are. And um, they've got quite a forgiving run-in as well, which is, is, is something that's, that's, that's quite notable as well. They've got Nabil Fekir back as well. He came on as a substitute and was involved in the last two goals against Amiens, just playing for for the last 15 minutes. I mean, he's a guy who's got 16 goals and six assists without being a forward. Uh, they've got goals from Memphis. They've got goals from Mariano. But I, I think Memphis is is fascinating. I mean, 24 years old, you assume after he leaves Manchester United, he's going to launch his career, become a big fish in a small pond. Well, Bruno Genesio, again, another coach who's seen as not having the greatest power because, you know, he's in with the president. He's liked by some of the senior players who he worked with when he was assistant and when he worked with the youth academy. There's, there's always been this feeling that he's quite vulnerable. But in fact, he's made big decisions in every big game they've played this season they've left out Memphis because he's, well, he can't defend in a 4-3-3. So what use is he to me against any good teams? What he's done is bring him on for the last 20 minutes. He scored the winning goal against Paris Saint-Germain. He scored the winning goal in the last minute. These were both in the last minute, in fact, against um, Marseille at the Stade Velodrome, which relaunched their push for a Champions League place. And now he's actually in the first eleven. But they've switched to a four-four-two, so he doesn't have to do any defending. So it seems this coach, who everyone thinks is a lame duck, has played this guy superbly throughout the season, and then he's getting the best out of him at the right time because he's finally found a way to absolve him of any defensive responsibility. And we mentioned that you mentioned that Marseille are also uh, they keep the pressure on as well. Um, yeah, with a three-two win at Troyes, they were two-one down. You'll love this. Troyes went two-one up through Benjamin Nive, the oldest outfield player. In France, at forty-one years uh, old, I love Benjamin. <laughs> but 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 I equally love, um, to, of course, the uh, Trans Europe Express T-shirts. All three of Marseille's goals made and scored by ex-Premier League players. Yeah, which of them do you think was the worst 
in the Premier League. That that is that is going to be my my well, my question. Well, not not Payet, obviously. Mitroglou, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's it's a toss up, really, isn't it, between Mitroglou and and Tovar. Yeah, well, Florian Tovar. See, he didn't do anything bad. He didn't do anything at all, did he? He was but invisible. You're forgetting the tucks. He was immaculate in the tucks. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, people got very upset about that, didn't they? Uh, speaking of upset, I think yeah. uh, Monaco will be uh, crying into their Chardonnay tonight. It is now 4-0 to Paris Saint-Germain. It is a second, a near-post header by Giovanni Lo Celso. 4-0 to Paris Saint-Germain. And, and we're not really much past the half... What are we, 30 minutes into? Yeah, 31 minutes into the game. Uh, this is not good news uh, for Monaco. Very quickly, uh, Mario Balotelli, why always moi? Um, having had the best season, well, since I can remember, really, so, um, now being told by the, called by the manager lazy and not trying. Yeah, and uh, Lucien Favre, he is like a, a father who reaches the end of his tether, really. He did that with Balotelli at the, the start of the season, when it wasn't really his fault. And he seems to have done it again. He was very, very poor last week against Rennes and left out the team uh, because of it. But some of the, the stuff that comes out up about Balotelli every single time, he is picked on. I genuinely yeah. believe he's he's picked on. You know he's not a dynamic player. Everyone knows he's not a dynamic player. But as you say, Danny, he's done an incredible job for Nice this season. Like last week, some of the criticisms that were levelled against him in this game against Rennes, in which he wasn't very good, that he didn't run to Alassane Player after he scored quickly enough to congratulate him. That's the people looking for fault then, isn't it? And I mean, this this was in the keep, a respected sports paper, which I found extraordinary. I think the main thing they've really got the hump about is the fact that in the summer, he's going to go to a slightly bigger club and they can't get anything for him That's because it. he's out of contract. In the end, if we're realistic, this has worked out very well for both player and club. And who, someone who may not be going to a bigger club is Favre himself, who was one of the two favourites for the Bayern Munich job. He hasn't got it. We'll talk about that in just a few seconds. Up for the Dortmund job, though. I should, see now, I should make mm. the point that Lille um, are, are now just a one point away from safety um, at the bottom there of the French League. And uh, who's your star of the week in France? Uh, you know what? It's going to have to be Benjamin Nive at yeah, 41. of course it is. Uh, one for the goal that unfortunately didn't turn out to be the winner. You know, he put his shoulder out about a week and a half ago. He was sat there with a is little he, shoulder sling. How old he is he? He broke his hip, did he, in a fall? <laughs> no tartan rug necessary but anyway he's, he's lived on to fight another day and uh, yeah it's, it's just terrific to see him play for that reason alone I hope twice stay up that was a lovely goal Benjamin would you like a biscuit with your tea <laughs> It was a hit in the 80s, the later 80s for Doctrine and Medics, but this is the original version. I'm back in the youth club at uh, Lady of the Sacred Heart School in Eden Grove, near, right by the new Arsenal Stadium. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky, songs with blue and sky in the title, celebrate City's title. For all you old heads, I think I spent the whole summer waiting for, for Freeze all right now to go to number one, and this kept it off for about six weeks. Love your record anyway. Get your request in, please. 81089, Danny Kelly words. Got a poll for you as well, very simple one. Now that we know the semi finalists, who's going to win the Champions League? Who have you? It's very close, actually. Who have you voted for, Andy? 
the poll. Sorry, I didn't hear oh, that. Who, who, who is going to win the Champions League? Um, would like Roma, think Bayern. Okay, I'd vote for Liverpool on the back of that. Okay. <laughs> Momentum. More about that at nine, of course. Uh, Thank you very much. Let's move on now. I was to actually just sorry to interrupt. I was just um, seeing actually. I was distracted by seeing which the Monaco player was stretched yes. off of the Parc de France. Gibral Sidibe, who of course is a key part of Didier Deschamps' team. So uh, getting a big round of applause from everyone at the Parc de France. Hope of course, it's not too serious. Given the form of Mathieu Debouchy, it's not a problem for France at right back anymore, is it? You know what? The highest scoring defender in any of the top five European leagues in 2018. That's why I wasn't laughing. That's why I've said it. They, 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 I mean, obviously Sidibe. You can never have enough goals in the team quite exactly well yeah. um, this is part of the deal isn't it every time someone goes down now touching their, their face their ankle their elbow or the backside we say oh my god he's out of the World Cup but uh, he has been Sidibe has been taken off there uh, for Monaco it's uh, half time at, uh, in Malaga it's Malaga nil Real Madrid 1 uh, still nil nil in the Rome derby important game there and Paris Saint-Germain, after 34 minutes, are still four up. Every time I look at the television, they're making another attack on the Monaco goal. Let's talk about Germany. The headline is, Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Ja. Because uh, Bayern Munich have uh, had a big, big week, of course, through to the semi-finals of the Champions League. And finally, their search for a German-speaking manager has come to the ender. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's Niko Kovac, former player, um, coach of uh, Frankfurt. Um, and a very safe appointment, it seems to me. Um, it's, it's funny, actually, because I would, I would tend to agree with you. Uh, a, a lot of people... There's a, there's a thing, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of people seem to think it's, it's very risky. I mean, the, the thing is, with Bayern, because they've not got this unlimited transfer kitty, because they're run very sensibly and prudently for, an, for a behemoth of the European mm-hmm. game, you know, th- bear in mind, they're... Record transfer of all time was last summer. It's forty-three and a half million euros on Corentin Tolisso. Something that Robert Lewandowski has moaned about, isn't it? Like, when are you going to spend a hundred million on a player? Well, they will or anything break it like for Hammers, I guess, in, in, in the upcoming For, summer. 42 is the buyout clause, so they, right. don't, they don't even have to. They've no. got themselves a bargain. Yeah. They've got themselves a real bargain. You know, there's no doubt about it. Um, but when you've got that, there's a certain type of manager I guess that won't come There's a certain type of coach that won't come so it, g- it gives you I think a, a slightly more limited pool and they've they've been through so many different profiles of coach in the last couple of years you know they said mm. it was a a trilogy like Star Wars didn't they Van Hal to Heinkers to Guardiola and then they went to Ancelotti which kind of felt that was out of the that, that was left field wonderful manager lovely man out of left field and putting it, it seemed like a, a, a safe European pair of hands but then of course he got completely found out in the Champions League clash reference there season. very nice thank you very much <laughs> um, and, and then of course having Never. gone down the age scale going back up with Ancelotti they've ended up but right back at the top with our, with, with our friend uh, Heinkers it just mm. it, so I mean that that wasn't no. part of any plan. No, I, no, I think that's no. that's clear. But but Kovac, they want to feel like they're building for the future. There's there's no doubt about that. And um, you know, I think they're going to make a pretty good job of doing so. After what happened with Ancelotti, they're going back to trying to bring down the average age of the team, which they've been By working buying on. Hoffenheim's, yeah, yeah, that's mm. part of the plan. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, it's, it's it's something that I, I think is 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 good. The fact that um, 
Kovac has done a, a really great job at Eintracht Frankfurt over the last couple of years. I mean, obviously, they're not very happy about this. And Freddie Bobic, their sporting director, in his Friday press conference that he gave with Niko Kovac, sat next to him, sat there and uh, called his uh, current coaches, soon-to-be employers, uh, unprofessional and rude. They, for the way in which they conducted the deal. Uh, on the field, of course, they carry on regardless. Um, a 5-1 victory over Mönchengladbach. It came from behind. Um, two there for Sandro Wagner. One for Thiago Alcantara. Again, a linked with Manchester City. Yes. And why wouldn't he be? I mean, this is something that's, I don't think, ever going to go away until the, such points as he signs for Manchester City. Simply because everyone knows he's Pep Guardiola's man. We should just interrupt to say, by the way, another goal in France. 4-1 now. It's but game on, as they always say at this stage, isn't Ron, it? Ronnie Lopez, who Mark Langdon quite rightly pointed out last week, is on something of a hot streak, scoring for the eighth Ligue 1 game in a row. And he's a midfielder. Oh, you, you said a shivers through me there. I mentioned Mark Langdon's and name. Uh, uh, when the tables went over in the restaurant, it was just extraordinary. <laughs> I mean, could you, Clive had said he was coming. He didn't come. Mark got the arm. Over went the tables. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I'm, I'm, losing, I'm, not, I'm running out of note space here for all these goals. Um, where's that one in? Sort of just running up to half time. 4 1 there. Yeah, that's right. 38 uh, yeah. minute, that was. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed for but, bringing that. Go on, but yeah, we're going to talk about Thiago, oh, weren't, yeah, weren't yeah. we? And uh, Thiago, I think, showed his um, sang froid on the big occasion yesterday because all the Bayern players came onto the pitch with their young children with them, you know, as so often happens in the modern game. I mean, you have to have, be relaxed to have them before the game rather than after the game but Bayern already title winners wanted to make it party and all the rest of it there was one kid who was very very unhappy about going off the pitch and that was Thiago Jr oh yeah very very unhappy well, okay well, a, lot of, a lot of screaming but you know Jupp Heynckes was fine he's, he's coached Real Madrid after all so <laughs> he's, he's on the ball with that um, the Royal Derby big game of course Schalke, yes. Schalke triumphant over Dortmund by two goals to nil um Downside, I guess, Mitchie Batshuayi carried off on a stretcher, but we have no news of what's up with him. Not yet. Um, of course, as you say, fingers crossed for the World Cup. He won't be at Dortmund next season, whatever. We, no. we, we hope he comes back for them because he's he's made a good contribution there so far, and um, he should do for the for, for the for the end of the season if if he if he does come back. But Dortmund have, have suffered now two very damaging away defeats in in, in a row. Um, it might not have any serious long-term implications because I think if you if you look at the table at the moment, especially with Leipzig failing to win, they've still got a four-point cushion with four games left. Yeah, because like keep Leipzig keep four. on dropping. They keep doing a lot of drawing at the moment. Yeah, that's, that's that's giving Borussia the uh, <clears throat> the ability to survive these away defeats, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. But I, I think you know it was, we talked about it being the end for Peter Stöger after they lost six 0 at Bayern. Well, Michael Zorc, the sporting director, who of course recently signed a new contract and will be leading them into a new era with the help of Matthias Sammer on the staff as a consultant, uh, probably Sebastian Kale. They're getting real Dortmund royalty mm. around them to try and rebuild the club behind the scenes and get back this stability. I mean, there's been a lot of talk recently as well because the court case of uh, the, the attacker in the bus crash, uh, the, the bus attack mm. Mm. Has, has, has been going through and all the players have been giving their statements in court and stuff. I think the club has started to grasp, actually, maybe we haven't totally dealt with this. You know, there's been instability at the club, but maybe this is some of the cause of it. The fact that 
you know, we've offered players access to a counsellor, but they suffered an incredibly traumatic event, an incredibly traumatic event, which, you know, they've had to really play through. There's been no place to really work it out. So I think with that stability upstairs, behind the scenes, never mind the playing staff or the coach or anything else, is, is, is very, very important. But th- th- it was talked about by Michael Sork before this game. We know what, he's only lost one game in 12 for us in the league. We're in a bit of a spot. He's helped us out. We're not completely ruling him out yet and you think really well you know what after losing to Schalke yeah, especially really. in that yeah, fashion really. yeah really. They, they, they weren't they weren't good I mean it's over it's definitively over but wild celebrations for Schalke at the end and their um, coach Domenico Tedesco of course only 32 years old very little first team experience behind him now that was a punt that was a risk never mind Nico Kovac getting into Desco at the start of the season for a club like Schalke was something absolutely huge he had tears in his eyes he was being showered with energy drinks like there was champagne and all the rest of it and sealed by a brilliant goal uh, by Naldo from distance he scored the headed equaliser in the 4-4 remember when they were falling yeah, yeah. down earlier in the season smashed one in from range known for his long range free kicks and uh, getting a really important one today and the team taking advantage of uh Borussia's uh, poor form away from his Bayer Leverkusen. Yes. Two wins for them this week. Julian Brandt uh, repaying the faith of his new contract with goals in both. I should make the point that although Leipzig dropped a point to Werder Bremen, Adamola Luckman of Everton scored a beautiful goal. Yeah, um, wonderful. For Leipzig. Um, I'm, I'm only going through this very quickly, Andy, because we're running out of time. And I do know you, you want to point out something fantastic that's going on in Bundesliga too. Well, yeah, the, the bottom half of the table. I mean, if you want a relegation battle. And I, I mean, do. I love a relegation. Scrap. You've got to use the word scrap, haven't you? Uh, you certainly do. And this is the one to end them all because it's, it's like the Bundesliga 1, the top one, in that the top two go down automatically and then third from bottom plays off with third from top from the division below. And so, at the a mo- regional league, I presume. Um, no, no, oh, it's not. It's really- when, when you go a division yeah. below, it's, it's regional. Okay. So um, at the moment, the team in the playoff position, a really big club, and there's some big clubs down there at the moment. You've got uh, Kaiser Slauten, who are bottom and, and, and look absolutely doomed. Um, Darmstadt, the second yep. bottom, who are up in the top flight relatively recently. The playoff uh, place occupier at the moment is St. Pauli, of course, another big famous club. Now, Union Berlin in ninth place have 39 points. St. Pauli in 16th have 37 so I make that with O level mathematics. I make that three points covering ninth to sixteenth. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And some of the clubs in between. So you've got St. Pauli, Dynamo Dresden, Greta Fürth, who were in the top flight a couple of years ago. Alan I don't Trapp, want these to go same. down. These are all important football clubs. <laughs> I mean, Dynamo Dresden used to be the perennial, you know, perennial challengers to the Berlin side in mm. the old East German league when the uh, state police. Uh, and the army team used to try and fix the league every year. Exactly. Uh, Kaiserslautern, 1998 Bundesliga champions. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely extraordinary. And then you've got Holstein Kiel, who were only promoted um, last season from the third tier. I mean, they're in third place at the moment, and they could be in a playoff to go up to the top flight with uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf, who surprisingly lost today. They're three w- losses in a row, despite being top of the league. Um, and Nuremberg are in the, 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 the top two. Who's your star of the week? Um, you know what? It's going to be uh, Kevin Volant of uh, Bayer Leverkusen for his hat-trick against uh, Nico Kovac's Eintracht Frankfurt. Leverkusen go to Dortmund next week. That's a real biggie. 
Yeah, when we come back in just a few seconds' time, we'll look, we'll look at everything that's happened and is happening in Spain, and I'll be un- unveiling an official ceremony, the headline uh, through nearly three years of Trans Europe Express, of which we are most proud. So these are the figurines Acting out all the scenes before my eyes I thought I knew them all by name but they started looking much the same, and it's no surprise. You people, of course, make the music on the show work very, very well, despite the efforts of our producer, um, who always finds a song by Jamiroquai, I don't think he's listened to any other music in the last 20 years, <laughs> to fit into the slots. This week, of course, I've given him a, an opening by having both Sky and Blue celebrating Manchester City's triumph in the title race. This is Blue Skies uh, by Jamiroquai. I thought I was going to ban the songs with both things in them. But oh, he's a producer, he's allowed to. Isn't there a dubstep remix of this song to liven it up? Sorry, I'm not recovering something to be said in my pants. <laughs> the music's too heavy. Come on, guys. We're not children. All right. Now listen, um, later on the show we have a new section called Q&A, the, uh, T- the TEE Q&A, the Trans Europe Express Q&A. We have, luckily we have in the studio Andy Brassell who knows everything about world football from, as I say, the lower leagues of uh, Bolivia and Burkina Faso up to what's going to happen in the World Cup in a few weeks' time, every game live here on Talk Sport. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can come on air and ask Andy and me directly, 08717 players your clubs are linked with, stuff you've heard, stories you want confirmed, what's that stadium like, 08717 You can text your questions to 81089, and you can uh, tweet them directly to me, at Danny Kelly Words, to him, Andy Brassell, or to at Talk Sport. We'll get as many of you on, or as many of your questions on, at about a quarter to ten. Uh, meanwhile, Andy, we have to go back to Spain. Now, my headline this week is Elvish has left the building. Elvish has left the building. Care to try and guess what that's about? <laughs> um, is it about Messi going out of the Champions League? No, 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 it's not, actually. I'll tell you what it is. It was um, worth it, a pop, wasn't no, it? No, it's very good. Fernando Torres has announced that he's leaving um, Atletico Madrid and probably will leave Spanish what's, football. What's Elfish about? Elfish, uh, because he Torres. is a gigantic Lord of the Rings fan and has some words in Elvish on, on his arm. Really? Is that Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> there we well, are. I once saw him on an edition of uh, Madrid Inc., you know, it's it's like a, a Madrid version of uh, LA Inc. You know that tattoo course, program yeah. where they'll go onto that that, that parlor in Venice Beach. And uh, yeah, he used to have someone come round his house when he was at Chelsea to to top up his tattoos for well, him. It, one of the, the, the some of the writing on his arm is in the Elvish that uh, Tolkien invented mm. uh, for Lord of the Rings. Do you want to know how he invented Elvish? Go on. He was at that time when he was a professor at Oxford. He was the world's leading authority on ancient Welsh and ancient Finnish. Two very uh, obscure languages, and he combined ancient Welsh and ancient Finnish to come up with what we now read in the books as Elvish. Never. I'm here all week. Enjoy the liver. Um, Let's get on with the actual football. Um, Barcelona beat Valencia 2-1. Um, but I think a bit of an opportunity miss for, for, for Valencia because Barcelona were by no means at their best. Big time. And uh, I think the fact that Tostegan was possibly their best player on the day, I mean, he made one absolutely sensational save from Rodrigo Moreno who's been in wonderful form and will be going to the World Cup with Spain and Valencia looked devastated at the end and really 
they're not going to win the league and they're not going to fall out of the top four. So you would think, why were they bothered? Well, they wanted a really big moment to say that, you know, we've come on so far this season. They gave Barcelona a real game at Mestalla and they gave them a real game here and I think deserve something out of it. And they worked out quite early on by pressing Barcelona, who were quite tired from the week, who were quite down in the mouth with the atmosphere a little bit muted, understandably, after that um, exit at Roma, the Romontada, of course, a little play on the La Remontada from uh, last year where they, they, they did the same thing, more or less, um, or more so, I suppose, to, to Paris Saint-Germain. And um, the way that Valencia... Att- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The game was, was really intelligent and they did deserve a little more. Should make the point, that was 39 games unbeaten in La Liga for Barcelona. Excellent Breaking work. Sociedad's old record. Very quickly, Usman Dembele came on uh, for uh, Coutinho after 79 minutes, conceded a penalty, um, Angs yellow carded. Still better than Jonathan Woodgate's Real Madrid debut. Uh, granted, yeah. but links to Griezmann and Septa don't go away. Are they... Is Usman Dembele going to make it at Barcelona? Yeah, I think he will. I mean, he's had two big injuries in his first season, which has been really unfortunate. And... Um, I think that actually the way that Ernesto Valverde has, has played him will actually work to his advantage in the long term. Because he's not had to lean on him, because the team's done very well without Dembélé. He's not had to throw him in. He's not had to put too much pressure on him. He said, when I want to reintroduce him into the team post-injury, I want to play him in a position where he's not required to do any defending. So he can really get used to the pace of the team and I think the way that Valverde it seemed sometimes I think to some people as if he's been a bit cynical about his talents I don't really see it like that I think he's he's been looking after him carefully because however much he costs he's 21 years old you've got to do that at the other end of the career, we mentioned Fernando Torres. He got his 100th La Liga goal in a 3-0 win for Atletico. Yeah, one of only five Atletico players to do that. OK. Um, the uh, Deportivo won at Bilbao. A second successive win for Clarence Seydorf. So although he may not save them from relegation, he is last getting a tune out of them. Um, very quickly, Andy. Villarreal 2, Sevilla 2. 
Um, it's almost unthinkable, given what Sevilla have done over the years. Really in danger of missing out on Europe now. Well, they, they could do. Although, if um, uh, they'll, they'll make it one way or another. Because, ah. um, basically, if Barcelona win the Cup, um, the, the place will go one further down. So, seventh place where they're in at ah. the moment will be good enough for it. And if they win the Cup, well, they get in it anyway. So, uh, I, I think they'll still... So, you're rising prob- off Girona then. They'll st- well, <laughs> you know what? Girona were devastated to lose at home to Betis, um, the, the city rivals of Sevilla, on Friday night. Betis in incredible form at the moment. And your star of the week in Spain? It's got to be Joaquin of Real Betis. 36 years young. You're really going for the, for the older gentlemen's day, aren't I, you? I, I certainly am. That's what Sunday night's all about. Yeah. Incredible turn of pace to set up the winning goal for Loren. The way that he accelerated past three players. He's 36. Yeah, he's been a brilliant player, hasn't he? He'll be, okay. He'll be one of our cult players in an addition to this programme in 20 years' time. You're listening to Trans Europe Express here on Talk Sport. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express on Talk Sport. Yeah, welcome back to the second hour of tonight's edition of Trans Europe Express. Got a lot to get through in this hour, as I always say, and there's a reason for that because it's always true. And um, we'll look at the uh, an incredible week of European football. It's ended up with the semi-finals, and we'll look at the draw for both that in the Champions League and the Europa League. A cult hero, Simon Calder's latest travel report. It's what I think is the most interesting venue in the upcoming World Cup. We'll get around Portugal, Turkey, Holland, Greece, Belgium, Russia. We'll do Zlatan watch. And then at uh, quarter to ten, we'll have the Trans-Europe Express Q&A. Remember, get your questions in for Andy Brassel, as small, as big, as serious, or as stupid as you want. Uh, can phone in if you want to come on the show. It's 08717 And you can uh, text the questions to 81089 or tweet them directly to any of our uh, r- r- addresses at TalkSport, at Andy Brassel, at Danny Kelly Words. Welcome aboard the Trans-Europe Express. Well, Andy, anybody who was in any doubt about, if not the quality, then certainly the compulsive viewing nature of the European competitions um, that uh, UEFA oversee will have had those blown away by events in the last seven days. Um, With the exception of a rather dull tie between Bayern Munich and Seville, um, every single semi-finalist in the Champions League and indeed some of them um, in the Europa League have had to fight tooth and claw just to get there. I suppose we have to start with Real Madrid and Juventus because um, that game is going to be talked about for weeks and months and we'll, we'll be next time they play each other, it'll be almost a replay of the last minute of the match, won't it? Yeah, I, I think it will and... You know, I think the thing to point out first about Juventus is whatever you think about the penalty, and I'm sure we'll touch on that in a, in a minute. Um, I thought we might not bother. All right, OK. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think I've spent over an hour speaking about it this week. And because I was in Spain while it happened, watching one of those very um, Latin football shows where four blokes shout at each other while they replay the incident literally over a hundred times, I feel like I've... Like, I, I, it's almost like an out-of-body right, well, experience all, t- watching it again. I'm, I'm going to read your mind. You want to say Juventus were fantastic. Yeah, they really were. And the interesting thing is that the sending off of Paolo Dybala in the first 
leg kind of worked for him, really. Because would Mandzukic have started if, if Dybala had been there? Or would they have sought to run everything through Dybala again? Of course, the player they really missed in the first leg um, was Miralem Pjanic. Um, yeah. uh, he knits it all together in the midfield. Dybala was having to drop deeper and deeper to get the ball in that first leg. And that made him, well make a daft foul certainly um but uh, yeah that obviously Real Madrid won him as far away from goal as as, as possible Blaise Matuidi as well made a huge difference and he's a player who will despite being in his 30s um will be part of their future as well but you know Juventus were absolutely fantastic and if you look at them over the last four years since Antonio Conte's left in fact you look 2015 final 2016 they get knocked out in one of the ties, really, in recent years in the Champions League with Bayern that but could have best, gone either best way. Best match that I've seen in a long time. It was it was incredible. Then they get to the 2017 final, and then they lose another incredible tie. I mean, what a team they've been in the Champions League. I think if you go back to the late 90s and when they got in those three successive finals, 95, 96, 97, and only won one of them... Um, with with um, Marcello Lippi. I mean, were they... You can compare those two sides. I think the interesting thing here is there's just been such a revolving cast for Allegri. He's almost done it with, what, three different teams. Um, just to mention Real Madrid, they've, gone, they've got a second goal in Malaga. Now it's Malaga nil, uh, Real Madrid 2. That's uh, Casimiro. And the sh- ever-reliable Chido Immobile has missed a glorious opportunity in the Rome derby. Which remains nil-nil, a result that would see both sides go above into Milan. That uh, one doesn't, one does not want to be stereotypical about Italian football. But let's just say it's sixty-five <laughs> minutes gone, and it is, it is level. That's all I'm saying, right? It's been a very emotional week for both of these teams, Danny. Um, the, the 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 whole penalty and Michael Oliver and all the rest of it. Um, first of all, it, it's clearly you know VAR would have sorted that. It, it, although he might have said that's not. Would a, it? it? He would have said that's no. It wouldn't. I don't think it would have. No. And so I I was furious at the time for the same reasons that uh, Jean-Louis Buffon was absolutely furious because I wanted the game to go on. I wanted to see extra time and I felt robbed by the whole thing. Yeah. I'd also predict on Twitter that we must be due a Real Madrid penalty any minute now. I am <laughs> I am heartily sick of Bayern Munich. Oh, sorry, Real Madrid and Barcelona. Because, you know, the, the PSG, the great comeback a year ago, you know, of course Paris were terrible on night and all the rest of it, but they still required help from the referee. Um, it's something about those stadiums. But more, more, more than just one piece of it in in, yeah. in in that case. Yeah, absolutely. No, you know that that was different. I mean, we're talking about one incident here, which you know, I, I don't I don't think you can talk about the referee being dishonest or anything no, no. like that. I, I don't agree with his decision. I, I really I really don't. And what I think is interesting about the debate, and we, we talked about this in the European Football just, Show on Friday. I'm just setting my stopwatch. You're into your second hour of talking about the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I reckon it will be a day by summer. But I, I think because people have, I think not unreasonably, reacted in defence of Michael Oliver, especially with some of the personal attacks he's suffered, which are completely wrong. Completely course, wrong. And Mrs. Michael Oliver, what's she got to do with it? Come on, you idiots. Exactly. And th- th- it shouldn't really need to be said. And th- the way that the, the, the Buffon has talked about it in the days after... Well, it is disappointing because he is a big figure in the game. I don't think for a minute this changes the fact that he has been like a, a, a wonderful player, a wonderful servant, a wonderful leader, which is what some people seem to be suggesting, which is incorrect. He's behaved badly in this situation. 
you know that can't be reiterated enough but i i I think talking about that and then saying therefore michael oliver made the right decision i don't buy that at all i think there's enough doubt in that and like i say i've I've watched it like 150 times not voluntarily but I, i watched the incident loads of times and I, I still couldn't decide at the end whether it was or not. It's one of those where the defender um, gives the, the referee a decision to make. If he had not given it, um, no one would be surprised. I'm not surprised that he did give it as well. Mm. Um, it's just a moment in time, wasn't it? You know, with, it was goal was going to be the last kick of the game. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, if I, I have a, half of me thinks that Buffon knows that Cristiano Ronaldo very rarely misses penalties. He could see what was coming. He didn't get himself sent off. Um, deliberately but he was burning the whole world down around him he, he would have been happy to have set fire to the stadium at that moment um i i wondered if maybe as captain he thought he thought i'm gonna get in there and stop mario mandzukic throttling the referee uh, it's a possibility and the, the whole point about that i mean the one thing's about this it, it causes us to overlook manchester city's defeat by liverpool and of course extraordinary game and and performance by roma um, I must. I'll be honest with you. I don't think it's the greatest Barcelona side ever. But no. I also didn't. What I had no reason to believe that that Roma had had it, had it in them to do what they did. The, so, the, pr- the problem is neither did Barcelona. Yeah, uh, well, that'll, that'll be it. Yeah, it doesn't uh, matter what I think, does it? And they, they 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 turned up very much thinking they they had it won. But in the end, I mean, people like me who think the away goals rule is outdated and an anachronism. Well, you know what? This game was an absolute one in the eye for people like me because this is exactly how the away alive, goal yeah. rule is meant to work. Absolutely. Let me ask you about the, the Barcelona team. Um, there have been times in the past when they've got into trouble. Now, look, Messi gets them out of trouble with his, foot, with his footballing. I get mm. that. Um, but since the retirement of Puyol, who actually, who actually is the one who clenches their fist in that team? Who's the one when they go two down in Rome? turns to him and goes, this isn't happening now. We're, we're going to pull ourselves together here. We're going to defend for 15 minutes. Who's that player? Well, it should be PK, shouldn't it? He's but got he, that sort of presidential But he's not Ramos, is he? No, he's, he's, he's not. But I, I do think it's, it's incorrect to say that you necessarily need a player like that. I think it appeals to like our more Anglo-Saxon. macho instincts. And, uh, well, just generally, not just Anglo-Saxon even, mm. macho instincts, that we feel that everyone needs a... A player like that, I don't think that's really part of Barcelona's personality. I mean, Barcelona, they it's so it, disappointing, Andy. I, I think <laughs> get me Langdon, get Langdon. <laughs> I, I know, I don't care if he's in a bit of police cell. Get him. <laughs> I, I think the fact that that Barcelona's whole personality, I think the reason that people like Messi more than Ronaldo to an extent is the fact that he's based on sort of sacrificing yourself for the collective sure so they shouldn't really need that i think the interesting thing above everything else we can talk about and we'll talk about roma as well because they were wonderful i want to yeah is is, is the fact that messi was terrible in both games terrible and in, in the first game he was so upset with his performance we were talking to eduardo alvarez the um, spanish football journalist about this and he was saying messi after the first leg messi will 100 percent not get rested for the game against leganes at the weekend because he's so upset with the way he played in the first leg that he's going to insist he plays against leganes to play himself into form of course scored a hat-trick in that went on to be even worse i thought at the olympico in the second leg but part of that was what Roma did. I mean, they were they were wonderful. They defended brilliantly. 
but they played with real daring as well. Federico Fazio, just because you failed in the Premier League doesn't make you a bad footballer. We know how this works. Just because you've got an knee and a half, it doesn't mean that you're, you're a bad player. We should talk about the Europa League as well, where uh, Arsenal made heavy weather, but they, that shouldn't overshadow. And, you know, uh, there, it was a moment there when they were, I thought they were, might even be going out, but it shouldn't overshadow what was the best match in Europe. And that's hard, hard to say, given what we've seen in these other ground, uh, matches in the, Euro, in the Champions League. The match between Marseille and Leipzig, not only was it dramatic, but the quality of the goals. They were magnificent. And Dimitri Payet, who's done a very good job of playing himself out of the France squad for the he, World he's Cup. He's obviously decided it's time to, turn, to, to change that now, hasn't he? He, he? he certainly has. And there, there was a line in Le Keep the day afterwards saying, uh, it is fair to say that Didier Deschamps um, would have had an eye on this. And it, it was just impossible to ignore. It may just be one game, but to ignore a performance like this. Payet's been playing better recently anyway. But in this game, he, had a, he scored a wonderful goal of his own, the best goal of the game in, in, a, in a 5-2 win. He scored... Um, uh, it, it was just a fantastic goal and he, he set up three of the others as well he really took a, a captain's role and it was a night to do that because you know we heard so much talk about the the atmosphere of the the first leg uh, of Liverpool and Manchester City and the difference that made in terms of the destiny of the tie I mean this was the same thing but arguably even more so it was a record crowd at the Stad Velodrome in European competition and when you think the big games they've played in European competition the biggest ever crowd they've had in there it was something by design for the club they sold tickets to season ticket holders for 10 euros each and it really worked they had nearly 62,000 in there the noise was extraordinary the fact is they're one nil down from the first leg they went one nil down after two minutes and you, you'd think in most other situations well tie over they just rolled their sleeves up and scored three goals in the next 25 minutes and they were absolutely extraordinary and it, it was great but the thing was right at the end I mean you had one of those wonderful goals when the goalkeeper goes up because Leipzig were 4-2 down and the third away goal would have taken them through so they sent brilliant away pe- goals rule yeah absolutely <laughs> they, 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 they took um, Peter Galashi their goalkeeper up for the corner the ball got cleared and you got one of those wonderful goals where the goalkeeper's all the way up the pitch and Marseille just run it in at, at the, other, the other end and Sakai scored the fifth. Marseille's um, opponents in the semi-final will be Red Bull Salzburg. Yeah. Um, I'm testing my own memory here. I'll test yours because it's probably better than mine. Has an Austrian side ever made a European final? Yes. Um, remind me. Well, um, a Rapid Vienna played against Everton, Rapid didn't they, in, in, in the Cup Winners' Absolute. Cup? Absolutely. In the 80s. Thank you very much indeed, yeah. It would have to be them or Wacker at some stage, wouldn't it, who'd made them. Um, this is this is a, a real... I mean, I know it's the RB thing, but it really is progress, isn't it, for a, a, a league that's virtually a backwater of European football these days to produce a semi-finalist. Yeah, it is. When you say the Austrian Bundesliga, people are like, there's another league called the Bundesliga? It's extraordinary. But I, I think as well, you look at the fact that the project has completely changed since uh, RB Leipzig have become more and more prominent. The focus of Red Bull, and of course there's been a legal separation of the two clubs' ownership, uh, just to cover what would have been a dream final, of course, had Leipzig not been knocked out eventually. Um, The the fact is, because Leipzig have been prioritised, less funding has gone towards Salzburg. So they've had to start again 
with younger players, um, with less resources, with some of their best players just flung over to Leipzig over the last couple of years, like Naby Keita yeah, being one of those. And, you know, you look at some of the players who've, who've been good for them, like uh, Amadou Aydara, um, Huang Hee Chan, who, who scored in this game as well. Um, and you wonder, will they go over to, to, to the Bundesliga wing at some point? But the fact is, Oscar Garcia went there with a remit a couple of years ago to win stuff whilst doing it with kids. I mean, he ended up in a Champions League playoff with, I think, four teenagers in the eleven. So what they've done, and they've gone on a huge unbeaten run this season, is, I mean, it's, it's really incredible. The game they lost at Lazio was the first game they'd lost all season. And yeah, oh, I'm not going to hold you to this, and we can't discuss it. We haven't got time. Who's going to be the final in the Champions League? Um, that will be Liverpool and Bayern. Thank you. And who is wow? And who is going to be the final in the Europa League? That will be Marseille and Atletico Madrid. Thank you very much indeed. Listen, I'll give you the latest from our poll. Um, uh, who will be the winners of the Champions League? Five percent of you say Roma, fourteen percent uh, Bayern, thirty-nine percent Liverpool, and forty-two percent go against Andy by saying Real Madrid. You can go and vote on that at Talksport at Danny Kelly Words at Andy Brassell uh, on. Twitter, and when we come back, um, we'll be looking at we'll have a, a European cult hero for you and the latest of Simon Calder's travel reports from Russia. Incredible, incredible Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Ribaldo! That's magnificent! Get it back up! Get it back up! Get it back up! Get it in, get it Yeah, tonight's cult hero is a player who uh, whose club career is, you could argue, unremarkable, um, whose international career was short um, and and actually only covered about 18 months of Mm. football, but who is a national hero in the country where he was born. And if any player can ever be said to, oh, oh, I won the World Cup, um, then Toto Scalacci is that player. Yes, he is. He's someone who's completely defined uh, by, one, by one particular tournament. By, by six football matches. Incredible. Uh, quite rightly so, really. Um, uh, it's, it's an interesting one because he's someone who always had the look of uh, a second-tier player about him, really. And, um, he Sorry, was... did I say he won the World Cup? I didn't mean that. I, they, they, they came third, didn't they, Italy? Uh, yeah, that's that's that, yeah. that's right. They did. Yeah, sorry. They beat uh, England in the third place playoff. Yeah. Once, yeah, once they'd beaten the Republic of Ireland, I I, I felt oh, that's, <laughs> that, that's you've won the World Cup in my world. Um, yeah, pretty but, much. But, so in the 1990 World Cup, Italian 90 and all that, um, Scalacci appears out of almost nowhere. He would played most of his career at, at a, I, mean, I don't want to be disrespectful, at Messina, a backwater club, um, nearly, nearly over 200 league games and before joining. Juventus uh, and well, that's right. I mean, we talk about Zedek Zeman quite a lot and Zemanlandia and his his concept of total football. Well, in fact, it was Zeman who set Scalacci on the road to a, a, a top flight career because they played to that they uh, worked together, I should say, at Messina. Scalacci had his most successful season, and that's what led to him getting transferred to Juventus in 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 nineteen eighty nine. Um, and in in Italian ninety. Uh, the Italian side. I, I can't remember the circumstances of how he suddenly appeared. To he suddenly started to play the games. Well, yeah, he only started his first game in the in, in the third group game. So he came on against uh, Austria in the first game sub, and yeah. scored the scored the winner uh, because Andrea Carnavale and uh, Gianluca Vialli were both. I think it's fair to say labouring in in that game. Um, who knows if that they'd have been able to hit something. 
maybe he would have watched the whole game from the uh, the whole tournament from the bench because he did say beforehand I was surprised to be taken along and um, you know for me it was great just to be with the squad and if I watched the whole lot from the bench I would have felt happy he said you know he never dared to pull on an Italy shirt before the first time that he was a substitute for that first World Cup game. It was the, the first competitive game that he'd been involved on. He came in on for the last, what, 15, 20 minutes and scored the winner. And in that way, in Italy, and I think it transmitted itself out to the rest of us watching, he suddenly became like in, in, in a film, the person who had never played for Italy before, ordinary bloke, suddenly something happens and you're asked to play up front for Italy in the World Cup. Mm. And as I say, he gets, gets them to third place and he's the golden boot and if you think that that's ahead of Diego Maradona um, then uh, you know one of his many peaks fantastic Jürgen Klinsmann as well you know there's some incredible players in that World Cup Gary Lineker as well um, scoring a few goals for England Um, so yes it was it was amazing Um, but it was a real really short day in the sun for him uh, because not just because that was his his one tournament but he never appeared to be a guy who was really cut out for for top level football, I mean, a couple of years on on from that, he moved on to to Inter, where he's a bit part player. To be to be fair, he was, and they paid a lot of money for him as well. I think it was nine billion lira at the time. So I guess that's probably about four and a half million pounds Quid. in current <laughs> money, which is you know, a lot of money then, yeah. like a lot of money back then. And um, yeah, it never really worked out for him. I think he found the pressure quite intense. Actually, there's a really interesting interview with Toto Scalacci in a new book about the World Cup that's uh, coming out next month by the excellent journalist Simon Hart. It's called World in Motion. It's about how um, World Cup 1990 really culturally changed football. And of course, the world was changing then, of course. You know, you're getting um, the fall of communism, the breakup of the fall of the Berlin Wall, the breakup of the Soviet Union. It was the last World Cup that we had West Germany in, for example, oh, wasn't the, it? The 19- last World Cup that we had Czechoslovakia in. The 1990 World, World Cup, Gaza's tears, the realisation by TV executives that women and people who don't necessarily follow football are watching this drama mm. sets, into, sets in motion what becomes it's the Premier League. It's an athletic soap. Absolutely, yeah. exactly that. Gaza's tears water the money tree, but, as, as I once memorably wrote uh, about the, the whole thing. But I, I like that. I'll be sure to plagiarise that at some and point. You're welcome, absolutely. You. <laughs> and and Scalacci, of course, therefore, is a very important figure in football because he was one of the things that made Italian 90 into this. It was an amazing tournament. It, it, uh, it, it was. It was It was kind of dreamlike. And, and like you say, it, it's something we say again and again, the fact that, oh, there are no real surprise people at the World Cup anymore for, for us people who watch football and all the time. it turned out to be but, but an, you, a European you know in, a, in a big country. Yeah, that, that was a real Roy of the Rovers story. It was absolutely extraordinary. But he found the pressure post-tournament very, very difficult yeah. to He's spoke, to he's spoken with. about a lot, hasn't he? How yeah. it, it changed his life, but not in a good way. He had a great experience and then, and then people expecting so much of him kind of sullied his love of the game. That's right. And he was simply a goal scorer. That, yeah. that's, that's what he was. And, you know, you think he was criticised for not taking a penalty in the semi-final shootout against Argentina. He was, again, quite open about that. He said, well, A, I had cramp and B, I wasn't a great penalty taker. Of course, Roberto Baggio made him take the one in the third place playoff so he would become top scorer, which is, is how he's remembered. But it's, it's funny. He's talked about going to Japan in 1994. He went to Jubilo Iwata where he had a really good time to A, make more money than he could have made elsewhere, and B, really escape the pressure of Serie A. But yeah, just to remember him in that moment in time for that extraordinary story that it was is, is, is the best way. Yeah, one of many brilliant things that happened in Italian 90, but he is central to that whole tournament. Toto Scalacci. 
Incredible, incredible Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Ronaldo! That's magnificent! Get back up! Get it back up! Coming up next is uh, Simon Calder and his latest reports on one of the venues uh, for the World Cup. And it's one of those venues, I've got to be careful how you put this in these uh, difficult political times. It's the game that isn't ha- really happening in Russia. Stadion. Stadium. Where football leads, the rest follows. And the Kaliningrad Stadium, also known as the Baltic Arena, has put Oktyabrsky Island on the map. In the very unlikely event that you have a map of this wayward Russian city, you'll find that it's not much of an island. It simply fills a bit of a bulge in the Progolia River. It's only a mile east of the city's Grand Cathedral. But until Russia 2018 came along, the island was a wilderness. Now it's the temporary home to 35,000 fans. And after the matches are over, it's going to become the home to Baltica Kaliningrad, whose average home gate is barely one-tenth of the original 35,000 capacity so it doesn't feel too miserable 10,000 seats are going to be removed matches to see only four matches but my goodness me they are set to be some very good ones so I would say if you just look at the group games then probably Kaliningrad is the place to be opening on the 16th of June Croatia Nigeria that's the one I've got a ticket for I can't wait in group D 22nd of June Serbia gets Switzerland group E 25th of June Spain against Morocco in group B Oh, I said four, didn't I? Yeah, 28th of June. You might be interested in this one. England against Belgium, Group G. Quite possibly the decider. Rating путешествий Talksport. Talksport travel rating. Kaliningrad is part of Russia, but it isn't anywhere near the vast majority of the country. It's an exclave, a fragment of Russian territory pinched between Poland and Lithuania, formerly the capital of Prussia which became the mainstay of the German Empire. I hope you're following all this. Like much of this part of the world, of course, it was flattened in the Second World War. The main site in the city, the cathedral, was rebuilt with the help of German donations. And there's also a statue of Immanuel Kant, the philosopher... the philosopher who believed perpetual peace could be secured through universal democracy and international cooperation. That well went well, didn't it? To reach Kaliningrad, the place to stay start is Gdansk in Poland. That might also be a good place to stay. How short is Kaliningrad of accommodation? Well, for the England game, there's a pop-up campground nine miles out, which is asking £50 a night for a place in a two-person tent, and you have to send in the money up front. When I'm in town for Croatia and Nigeria, I've booked what appears to be the last room at a sensible price, around £60, but there are options available for upwards of £1,000. As I mentioned, if those don't appeal, just head over to Poland and sleep across the border. Talksport travel rating out of five. I've not been there yet. I'm going to give it a three and hope that I'm understating it. yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees 
and marmalade skies. Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly. A girl with kaleidoscope eyes. Cellophane flowers of yellow and green, towering over your head. Look for the girl with the sun in her eyes, and she's And when you ask for requests for songs with Sky in the title, I think there's a real chance this is going to come on. The Beatles, of course, and Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. It always reminds me, of course, that uh, the American group uh, Roy Fred, so he's not going to cover his name now, I'll come on to it in a second, and the Playboys, John Fred and the Playboys, wrote a pastiche of this called Judy in Disguise with Glasses. <laughs> Goals going in all over Europe. It's finished nil-nil in Rome. Surprise, surprise. Lazio obviously prized in that point. It went down to ten men and got a put in. A... Paris have stolen all the goals. That's what's happened, Danny. It's now 6-1. Who got the sixth? In the, in the French capital. Radamel Falcao own goal. No. Yeah. It sort of like hit him round about the chest and looped into the corner. Let me tell you then, it's finished in Malaga. Malaga got a very late goal from Diego, Diego Roland, making it Malaga 1, Real Madrid 2. It's finished 0-0 on the Rome derby at the moment, and there's still 15 minutes to go there. It's Paris Saint-Germain 6, Monaco 1, um, which is really, really put, sticking it to them, isn't it? Uh, we've got to rattle through uh, this next section, Andy, um, where we go through all the other leagues and what's going on. And an incredible ending to what might be the title-deciding game this evening in Portugal. Yes, absolutely. Porto needed to go there and win because there are four games left after today. Benfica were a point in front, having retaken the lead after Porto lost two successive away games. So Porto were forced to go to the Estadio de Luz and try and win the game. They did that with a goal in stoppage time, an absolute rocket um, by um, by Herrera for Hector Herrera from outside the, the the penalty area, and so they've got four games left. But the teams at the top in Portugal don't really drop points. Um, you would expect Porto to, to to close it out from here, and this would be incredible because it would be their their first title since 2013. Thank you very which much. Which is a long time for yeah, Porto for them, not, yes. to, not to win any trophies. Interestingly, of course. PSV Eindhoven sealed the title in the Netherlands today by beating their closest rivals, Ajax, 3-0. Priya Ramesh was pointing out earlier on Twitter, four years since Ajax had won anything. Yep. Uh, I can cross Holland out there because you've now said it. Also, um, in the closest title race among the big leagues um, in Europe, uh, another uh, topsy-turvy weekend in Turkey that leaves the top four... Um, three points uh, between them. It's incredible. Honestly, it's, it's the title race that, that keeps on giving. And the top two met today. Bajik Shahir were top and they were going to Galatasaray. Galatasaray won 2 0. They're down to third now, but uh, Istanbul. That's that's right. Bajik Shahir are Sorry. Da- uh, Yeah, they're down in. They're third. second. Bajik is a third. Sorry, I'm uh, yeah, yeah, getting they're... overexcited. <laughs> and it's, it's understandable in the circumstances um, and, and Fenerbahce uh, in fourth but just three points behind they but they and Bajiktas won away this weekend and yeah quite controversial circumstances behind this Galatasaray win I mean they deserve to win opening goal by Merb the second uh, scored by Serdar Aziz it looked very suspiciously like he put it in with his hand 
Am I right in thinking that Manuel Adebayo got an own goal as well in the big game? Uh, well, that that was what the with the Serdar Aziz one ah. was put down as in the end, but it definitely came off his hand before it hit the back of the net. Oh, I just want to say Manuel Adebayo scored an own goal. Just wanted to say those words. <laughs> and if the Super League is the most open, um, it's kind of we, we said it on Holland PSG have uh, uh, clinched that now with that pretty good win against Ajax. I should make the point that Ajax finished with nine men. Yeah, um, that, the, that's the referee what, got busy, or, or rather their players was trying to get themselves off the pitch. That, uh, that's certainly the case, uh, with uh, Luke de Jong uh, scoring one of the goals for PSV that helped win his side the title, and his brother, Seem de Jong, being sent off on the other side. Excellent family double. Thank yes. you very much indeed for that. In Greece, um, it's, uh, it's just about, I think, uh, still a two-horse race. Both AK and Pauk uh, won. Um, Olympiakos drew so they've kind of fallen off it now and it'll be between the top two that's right Olympiakos have already appointed a new coach for last season that's right Oscar Garcia has been and gone from Saint-Etienne and Olympiakos this season so they're going to have Pedro Martins the former Guimarães coach in charge next season Olympiakos of course they've suspended or their their um, their president has suspended all their senior players for the last couple of games of the season because he's so annoyed with them so that's left it to Ike and Pauk but uh, yeah, it looks like Ike are going to close it out for what will be the first title in 24 years. And the winning goal today scored by Lazarus Christodoulos. It's all a bit like Feyenoord winning last year in, in Holland, isn't it? A, a name from the past, emerging out of the mist to win the title. I should make the point, of course, mm. that the chaos of Greek football continues apace. This weekend's games, a majority of them, a majority of them contained a red card. Well done, everybody in Greece. Um, oh, red cards don't really count as disruption <laughs> in Greece, though, do they? I mean, come well, on. I'm just making the point. Um, have you any idea? Idea what's happening in Belgium? Uh, yes, I do. There was uh, a, a big game today uh, between Anderlecht, the champions, and Club Brugge, who were the runaway leaders at the end of the regular season. Well, since we've switched to playoffs, they won the first game. They've lost two since, and Anderlecht are now only three points behind them. Lucas Teodorczyk scoring the winner there, which is absolutely vital for them. Can Club Brugge hang on? We'll have to wait and see. Okay. Um, and in Russia, uh, yet another Moscow derby. Um, Lokomotiv Moscow look like they're going to win the title now. Uh, yeah, they do, um, because uh, they won 4-0 at Dynamo uh, yesterday. Another one for Jefferson Farfan, who's been in great form recently. And Spartak, the champions, who looked as if they'd thrown away their, their, their defence of the title back in autumn. They've made huge strides since. They lost 2-1 at Ural today, which leaves them five points adrift, having played a game more. So with only four games left for them and five games left for Lokomotiv, you would have to assume that Yuri Semin's always side uh, are going to sew it up now. But what that does mean with Spartak losing and Krasnodar and Zenit both winning, that um, Krasnodar and Zenit are back in the mix for the Champions League place, which obviously would be a way of uh, Roberto Mancini salvaging something for has not really been much of a season for him with the biggest budget in Russia, of course. And I'll just say, say um, with my North London hat on, the team uh, called Arsenal are seventh. Just a thought. Arsenal seventh. Just a thought there in Russia. A fantastic story coming out of Russia. Um, I mean, I'm surprised that Simon Calder hasn't, hasn't covered this in his guides. Um, advice coming out of various embassies, particularly to English fans, but also to English players, that uh, if any beautiful ladies um, come up to you and start making up to you, um, probably best to be careful. They're probably a honey trap or a spy. <laughs> Have you seen this? <laughs> oh, no, this is the, they're being advised, our, our lads, but particularly, I think, our players. I want to be at a training camp. Where are you going to meet the lovely ladies? 
I, I thought I thought this this story was so cliched it had to be made up, but it's a genuine story. Apparently so, yeah. Right, apparently okay. so. Um, I think there'll be a lot more of that before we get uh, to what are we seven weeks away now uh, to the World Cup, and it it never t- it never bores me to keep saying it because I'm so excited about it. Every game will be live here on the Talk Sport Network. Um, if you want radio coverage of the highest quality of the World Cup, you won't have to go anywhere else. Which takes us on to Zlatan Watch. And the big old genius nuisance is making life difficult for the Sweden manager. Honestly, what a pain. <laughs> poor, poor old Jan Andersson has done an incredible job since he took over in 2016. He's never had to coach Zlatan. He must feel like he's coaching Zlatan at the moment. He's not invited him back into the squad, uh, to my knowledge. And, uh, yeah, apparently there are... He got a winner the, for Los Angeles. Um, and then uh, in the, in the, Yeah, in the, in for the, Los Angeles. In, yeah. the, in the mix zone afterwards announced, of course, I'm going to be playing in the World Cup. I'm Zlatan. Honestly, would he improve Sweden's team? No, I, I I love him to bits. I love him to bits. But the fact is, as a collective, they've come on such a long way without him. And the thing is, he's someone who you know. Let's not mince words. He's an absolute hero in Sweden. He's a national hero, a national icon. They had stamps with his head on, for goodness' sake, released. But they've just been a sort of sigh of relief since he's retired. All the other players have stepped up become a tremendous collective under Anderson. I actually think they could possibly get out of that group ahead of Mexico besides Germany. But the whole Zlatan thing, I mean, they were one-dimensional at the Euros and he was pretty terrible. And that's not knocking any of his achievements in the game. The time has come for them to move on and Anderson has never given even a slight public hint that he'd take him back. I reckon he'll be manager by the time the summer comes around. Probably. Um, let's have a quick break. When we come back, millions of your questions. Thank you very much for all of those. We'll wrap through as many as we can in the Trans-Europe Express Q&A. Trust me, if I want to kick somebody head, I know how to kick somebody in the head. always finds a way to play Jamiroquai I always find a way to request this it fits in nearly every theme <laughs> Blue, a Blue Monday of course by the mighty New Order the record that nearly destroyed a record company the sleeve for this record was so expensive being a double die cut spot coloured affair they thought absolutely no one's going to buy it anyway um, every time someone bought this record, Factory Records lost a load of money on it because the sleeve was so complex. And of course, it became the biggest selling 12 inch record in the history of this country. <laughs> and Factory are still paying for it to this day. Thank you for all your help with the musical homework. This is New Order. And base, oh, a seventh goal for Paris Saint Germain. We can't even keep up with them. Draxler has got a seventh goal for Paris Saint Germain. This is a great day for the club. I know they've done a lot of things and uh, perhaps they will be disappointed about their European exploits yet again. But to beat the current league champion 7-1 in a decider like this is fantastic. Uh, goals for the Celso, Tuhem, Cavani, Di Maria got two, Falcao and own goal and Draxler with a seventh goal there. There is still a couple of minutes left in that game. Andy, welcome and to... And what was I saying earlier about Monaco Monaco's goal difference? I know, this means smashed now, hasn't it? Well, they've, they've lost their goal difference they've advantage they've over Leon. They've dropped on four night. points tonight, haven't they? That's what it, that's what it means. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. So, so Leon and Marseille, four points behind them, and they've now got the same goal difference as Leon. Now it's time for the Trans Europe Express 
um, uh, Q&A where people can ask you anything they want about stuff that's going on in football. Mostly very serious tonight, I have to be honest. Um, David Vincent on Twitter says Spurs have been linked with Salzburg midfielder Amadou Haidara. Uh, what's he like and who's he similar to? He's had a really good season and he's been great in the Europa League, certainly. Very, very mobile. Uh, I think a lot of people will look at his gait and his size and think uh, Naby Keita. Uh, but even though uh, the, the, there are similarities size-wise, he's a primarily defensive mid- midfield player. He's not got the same sort of passing range as uh, Naby Keita, but he's really tough, really durable. One of those smaller defensive midfielders who can make interceptions and lots of big tackles, get around the pitch really quickly. I, I mean, he's someone who you could definitely see ending up in the Premier League at some point. I still think going from the Austrian Bundesliga to the German Bundesliga is a more logical mid-move, especially at that age, rather than going to Spurs, where he's just not going to get in the team. Um, you'll guess that Salah is the king on Twitter. Is a is Liverpool, Liverpool fan. Right, okay. um, very excitable, of course. Um, we've got two players to talk about here. Um, how good is Koulibaly, and could he come to Liverpool? Plus, are we getting Alisson? That's, of course, the uh, Roma goalkeeper. Um, well, if they get Alisson, they'll be very, very lucky because he would be an enormous upgrade on what they've got. Uh, an as enormous he's... outlay as well, I should imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the same is true for Kalilu Koulibaly. Um, of course, Liverpool have already spent an enormous uh, amount. So with all that money committed to Naby Keita, mentioning him for the second time in two questions without being asked about him, um, I, I, surely there's got to be some tipping point for, for, for Liverpool. Of course, they're making a lot of money out of the Champions League this year. That's clear. I mean, it was announced today that Roma had made £70 million out of it, for example. So Liverpool have got to be making well at least that much yeah. I, I, I would assume especially with the, the TV market pool but you're talking about a lot of financial commitment I mean Koulibaly you think would be someone who would uh, complement what they've got as a, as a left-sided centre-back he's absolutely terrific Napoli will not let him go cheap I mean he's going to cost the thick end of a, a hundred million euros um, Alisson I think he's harder to shift yeah. for, for, from Roma I mean he's, he's one of their key players and he's been brilliant for them Paris Saint-Germain have regained the title in France after a year off uh, beating the team who were the champions until 30 seconds ago final whistle has gone in Paris talk about resounding Paris Saint-Germain 7 Monaco 1 and that as we say has knocked Monaco's chances of finishing second in France into a cocked hat because of the three points they've dropped plus the goal difference thing they've effectively dropped four points a fantastic performance by Paris Saint-Germain um, Darren Walker on Twitter said any chance of Fonseca at Shakhtar going to Arsenal he asked because he said he thinks the Gunners need a young boss rather than an Ancelotti type I agree with him 100% they do need a, a, a young boss and we mentioned uh, Leonardo Jardim earlier of course Fonseca like him Portuguese and I've asked some of these Portuguese coaches before why is it I asked Jardim that there are so many great coaches coming out of Portugal. He just said the intellectual standards and the, uh, the, the, the core standards are just so incredibly high. Um, Fonseca is another example of that. What I like about Fonseca is he took a big knock at a, a big club. I mean, it, it went very badly at, at Porto for him uh, when he succeeded Vitor Pereira. And uh, to, to such an extent that he was such a bag of nerves by the end of his, his, his Porto um, tenure that he was he was asked by a TV reporter um, how did they lose a 2-0 lead in the Europa League against Eintracht Frankfurt and he said Bayern Leverkusen are a great team 
so not only did he get the team wrong, but he mixed two teams. Very, very that is interesting. Very, very good. But he's he's recovered from that brilliantly. He went back to Passos de Ferreira, where he did brilliantly the first time and rebuilt again. And he has done a sensational job at Shakhtar, where they got knocked out of the Champions League at the very start of his reign. He won them back the title. Um, he's brought younger players through. Um, he's worked very well with the Brazilians, of course, being Lucifone. And uh, yeah, I can understand why Lucifone. Premier League Lucifone. On TalkSport, well done. Beautiful thing. Beautiful I, I, thing. I understand why Premier League clubs are interested in. I still think Jardim is a better bet, but Fonseca, I, I think, would be an, also an interesting uh, appointment. Okay, have you got one more from your own Twitter timeline? Uh, yeah, You've got about I, 10 seconds to answer it, if you can. I do. It's um, from Chris Price, Chris Price Swiss. And as the name would suggest, it's about Switzerland. Your views on young boys. How can Basel not win the league with their money and players? Well, you know what? Basel are starting a whole new era with a younger coach, Rafael Vicky, with the fact that they've lost a load of key players. Their success really was in the Champions League this year. And young boys have been incredibly consistent and very well coached by Adi Hutter. Thank you very much, Andy. Poll result says that thousands of you voted. You think that Madrid or Liverpool are going to win the Champions League? On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express on Talk Sport. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 